conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show, conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. For many people around the world, including me, Russia's brutal invasion of Ukraine has been deeply disturbing. Seeing the media images of the horrific events in Ukraine has left people shocked and saddened. When you see television interviews with politicians and others in government worldwide, you can see the shock and dismay in their faces. I believe it's the same for for many in Russia. You may have seen the stone-faced expressions of the two Russian leader Vladimir, two of Russian leader Vladimir Putin's generals sitting in on a televised briefing Putin gave on the invasion. Many Americans still don't see the dangers for us and the rest of the world of this bloody conflict and what it portends for us if it continues. In the short term, we're all going to suffer from skyrocketing gasoline, food, and other living costs due to supply disruptions and sanctions. But longer-term consequences could involve the USA being drawn into a wider conflict and even nuclear war, although I doubt the latter is likely, at least this point. It's difficult to get a clear picture of exactly what's going on in the now war-torn Ukraine, but it's obvious that thousands, probably tens of thousands by this point, on both sides have been killed and injured. The scale of death and suffering in Ukraine has not been seen in Europe since World War II, although it's happened in other parts of the world. But millions of refugees in Europe, they're around the, in and around Ukraine, are now on the move. The devastation of Ukraine's cities and infrastructure continues, and there are widespread reports of war crimes. Clearly, civilian areas are being hit. Had not the feeble, incompetent, cowardly, and corrupt Joe Biden been illegitimately installed in the White House by the coup that removed Donald Trump from office in the 2020 elections, I agree with others that this immense human tragedy in Ukraine would not have happened. Biden's sudden and uncalled-for pullout of our military in Afghanistan last year, which obviously aided communist China, Biden's longtime financial benefactor, and led to the collapse of the pro-U.S. Afghan government there, was a clear signal to Putin that he was dealing with a fool appeaser pushover and could do as he pleased in Ukraine and elsewhere. Running up to the invasion, Biden reportedly announced The U.S. military would repeatedly, therefore, they announced the U.S. military would not be involved, and he pulled out U.S. military personnel training Ukrainians there. A big fear in the West now was that the Communist Chinese Party, seeing what's happening in Ukraine, will move ahead with its plans to invade and take over Taiwan with its critical strategic importance to the West. Taiwan is a key democratic ally in the Indo-Pacific region, but it's also the world leader in production and innovation of computer technology with its essential military applications, specifically computer chips, also known as microprocessors. Here's a statement President Trump released February 22nd on the situation in Ukraine. Quote, if properly handled, there was absolutely no reason that the situation currently happening in Ukraine should have happened at all. I know Vladimir Putin very well, and he would never have done during the Trump administration what he is doing now. No way. 
Russia has become very, very rich during the Biden administration, with oil prices doubling and soon to be tripling and quadrupling. The weak sanctions are insignificant relative to taking over a country and a massive piece of strategically located land. Now it has begun. Oil prices are going higher and higher, and Putin is not only getting what he always wanted, but getting, because of the oil and gas surge, richer and richer. The U.S. was energy independent, energy independent under the Trump administration, an independence that we had never obtained before, and oil prices would have remained low. Now what a mess our country is in, end quote. It was Trump's desire to try to work with Vladimir Putin to address Russia's security concerns over Ukraine's desire to join NATO, obtain nuclear weapons, and related issues. But the very people now largely in control of our country are the ones who turned this statesmanship into the canard of supposed Russia collusion with Trump, falsely claiming without any evidence to the American people that Trump somehow worked with Russia to steal the 2016 election from another corrupt and incompetent leftist politician, Hillary Clinton. No doubt this had a negative effect on Putin, as was pointed out recently in, a, in an Epic Times article. We're now faced with the consequences of the stolen 2020 election. As former President Trump advisor Steve Bannon has said repeatedly, elections have consequences and stolen elections have catastrophic consequences. While the bitter political battles over attempts to establish to the American people the illegitimacy of the Biden presidency by revealing the enormous amount of evidence for it, opponents of this, both compromised Republicans and Democrats, continue to fight furiously against any and all efforts to expose election fraud and prosecute it, including invalidating the 2020 presidential election. Along with these battles are those to ensure future elections are truly free and fair. The evidence is that the nation's elections have been rigged for years, resulting in the election of so many radical leftists and rhinos, you know, Republicans in name only. Compelling evidence strongly suggests that these rigged elections included widespread hacking of U.S. voting machine equipment and flipping votes cast for Donald Trump to Joe Biden. Then, of course, there's all the other evidence of massive vote fraud involving counting of counterfeit ballots for Biden and destruction of legitimate ballots for Trump. As election integrity warrior Mike Glendale has stated many times on his website, frankspeech.com, those so vigorously fighting election integrity are either intimidated by peer pressure or otherwise compromised, such as through bribery or extortion. The entire so-called mainstream media is involved in the cover-up about election fraud, helping to dupe the American people. It's really not surprising, given that the globalist oligarchs George Soros and Bill Gates, with their major economic and political involvement with communist China and virtual control of the Democratic Party, have given hundreds of millions to media organizations and individuals. So much so that the mainstream media are now mere mouthpieces for the Democratic Party and its allies among the communists, globalists, and big business elites. Their vast wealth derived from sweetheart business deals and other investments in communist China. Still, progress is being made on the election integrity front. Just two examples are an ongoing attorney general's investigation in Arizona into the – that's the Arizona state attorney general – into the mounting evidence of massive fraud there in the 2020 election. And the former Wisconsin state Supreme Court justice and state special counsel Michael Gableman's investigative report – handed over to the Wisconsin State Legislature on March 1. 
The report cites widespread illegality and fraud in the 2020 election in Wisconsin and recommends that Wisconsin's electors who voted for Joe Biden at the U.S. Electoral College be recalled and their votes for Biden invalidated. You can get more information about these events on Mike Lindell's website, frankspeech.com. Obviously, you won't find much said about them in the mainstream Marxist media mouthpieces. Getting back to the human tragedy and highly dangerous situation in Ukraine, I tend to agree with some of those on the political right who contend that our own globalist elites actually desire some sort of escalated conflict with Russia to further, further own their own evil ends, a world oligarch plutocracy with communism for the masses, depopulation, the widespread employment of artificial intelligence, etc. But I disagree with those who say the USA has no significant interest in what happens in Ukraine. Ukraine, at least the bulk of the country under its current government, has been a Western ally, its people yearning for Western-style freedoms, and it is rich in agricultural and mineral resources. Former New York City mayor, federal prosecutor, and lawyer for President Trump, Rudy Giuliani, posted on his website, RudyGiulianics.com, Giuliani's analysis the day after President Biden gave his State of the Union address to Congress earlier last week. The podcast of this episode, number 218, and a related one, uh, the earlier one uh, a few days before that, uh, number 217, of Giuliani's Common Sense series, was post- this latest one, was po- the 218, was posted on Giuliani's website and elsewhere on March 4. Let's listen to a little bit of it. Play. Uh, these are excerpts. Some of it is woven together here, but uh, I think you'll get the picture here. Play sound by one, please. Hello, this is Rudy Giuliani, and welcome back to Rudy's Common Sense. The State of the Union speech the other evening was delivered at a much more critical time in American history than usual, and I would say that's an understatement. A European nation with many connections to the United States of blood, Ukrainian-Americans, of values, this fierce desire for freedom, which we're witnessing, and of friendships, of which I have a number, and and business, much of it legitimate, although there is an issue of corruption, which we'll talk about, is being subjected to a to 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 a uh, barbaric invasion, really orchestrated by one man, a tyrant, in which uh, the country is not only being invaded, bombed, shooting in the street. But there's no question that civilians are being targeted, not collateral damage, not corollary damage, directly. And uh, unfortunately for Putin, it's on living bright film. <laughs> I saw one uh, today. They hit a hospital. What are they doing? Killing civilians. We, we call that a terrorism in the United States. Uh, we call that war crimes under international law, and they're not stopping. They're continuing. So this State of the Union speech was given as that was going on. You would expect uh, 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 you would expect something to rise to the occasion. What, what? At the same time, uh, Biden's administration is uh, undergoing a massive increase in violence in the United States. Last year, 16 cities, I believe all Democrats, all run by allies of his, most of them at least, most of them were district attorneys put in by millions of dollars by his 
Well, one of his chief fundraisers, George Soros, DAs who let criminals go free, these cities are in crisis. These cities are undergoing last year the highest number for murder in their history. I repeat that, the highest number for murder in their history. That is a crisis if you're awake and able to perceive it or honest and willing to acknowledge it. The speech did not appear as if it was being given in the wake of these uh, crises. And, And the major burden of the murders in most of those cities are black Americans who are large majority Democrats and who elected this man to be president. And he's letting them die in what are now record numbers without the slightest objection or intervention by Black Lives Matter. Obviously, most Black Lives don't matter to the communists who run Black Lives Matter. To those of us where Black Lives really matter, we're extremely concerned about this. And I dedicated a great deal of my mayoralty to reducing that murder rate in the Black community. And I did it more than any mayor in American history. So I am particularly alarmed by what I see and quite aware of the fact that when this happened before in America, it went on for 27 years. You have to nip this in the bud. Well, there's many more of those crises we're facing. Let me address the most imminent one now, because people are dying as we speak. And the president's speech last night, we're not in a place where we can have politics as usual. And we got that last night from a lot of them. I mean, the greatest speech ever, the best speech he ever gave. It was uh, inspiring. You know, our country is at a crossroads. We may be witnessing uh, another Hitlerian attempt to take over Europe, this time, you know, with, uh, with Russia and Ukraine, the stalking us and China sitting there and wait to grab Taiwan. What I just said to you is not a fantasy. What I just said to you is a very viable hypothesis. We are in desperate need of a leader. Zelensky is a leader. We should follow him, but we don't. His words were inspiring. His words were clear. You could understand what he was saying. If you didn't feel emotion, there's something wrong with you. He's fighting for his country. He's fighting for freedom. We used to be the great city on the hill, the beacon of freedom for the world. We used to be until this person became our president. Maybe that's why 65% of Americans, Republicans and Democrats said this would not have happened under Donald Trump. How is it that he's got the guts to call him out as a war criminal and we don't? Well, that did some good because apparently just a short while ago, I received information that the world uh, court is going to investigate him or the Russian action as, as war crimes. So what about designating him? What about designating him as a, as a, as a, as a terrorist under U.S. law and using those sanctions instead of the ones that Zelensky has made real clear and the foreign minister has aren't working? The American sycophantic media likes to tell you it's working, but the people who are on the line Tell us it's not working. And you know Putin was ready for the sanctions. Well, here are the recommendations that I made the other day. Let's see how far we got. And this is without military intervention. This is everything we could do to help Ukraine 
whose freedom is being uh, uh, taken away, whose people are being killed, and where war crimes are being committed. I understand at the beginning of this the reluctance to intervene because we intervene too often in too many wars. But that doesn't mean we can become this cowardly little country afraid to intervene ever, no matter what. Ukraine, the people that tell you that Ukraine is not strategically important, they don't know what they're talking about. Don, it's the breadbasket of Europe. It's filled with natural resources. It's a buffer for Russia or against Russia. Makes a big difference in a country that possibly is aligned with China to make China the number one country on earth. You cannot discount the fact that this is a stalking horse for China taking Taiwan. Giuliani <clears throat> observes there that Ukraine has long been considered the breadbasket of Europe with its fertile lands and abundant grain harvests. Harvests, I'm sorry. It also has rich mineral resources, including large coal reserves and recently discovered large deposits of oil and natural gas. These will all be under the control of Russia if Putin's objectives and territorial gains in the war are allowed to stand. Russia is what's called a petrostate, and it is one of the world's largest producers of oil and natural gas, and that's where it derives most of its value from, most of its income. And we are still in the West buying all this oil and natural gas from Russia. And I know it would be a hardship on us if we stopped it, but that would be would seem to be one of the key sanctions. Anyway, Giuliani's blueprint for success, as he calls it, in Ukraine includes stop importing oil from Russia, reopening the Keystone Pipeline so we can get more oil from Canada cheaply compared to this other oil we're buying, cancel the Nord Stream Pipeline, make sanctions airtight so they actually are doing having some effect, admit Ukraine to the European Union, designate Russia as a terrorist state, prosecute Putin as a war criminal. Suspend Russia from the United Nations. Help Ukraine just short of direct U.S. intervention in the war. And I would think that this would include supplying Ukraine with significant supplies, which I believe we're beginning to do, and so are some of the other nations. Anti-tank, anti-aircraft, anti-ship, and yes, anti-missile missiles, which would include our Patriot anti-missile systems, which would require training of some of these people in Ukraine. But what else are we going to do? Unless we want to let this Russian behemoth just roll over Ukraine and crush it and then take anything else it wants. And uh, Giuliani also includes in that those lists of things what he calls our military gap, which I believe is our military spending. He wants that increased by 50%. I don't know if that's – or maybe that's the difference in what we were spending, what we are spending, what we need to spend. I'm not sure. I I didn't have time to listen to his entire podcast here, but obviously he wants an increase in – and in an effective increase in military spending here. What did Biden do when he got in? Cut military spending. As Giuliani and others point out, China, which is helping Russia finance the war in Ukraine and refusing to condemn it, is watching closely. And if enough appeasement of Putin is observed, China will see a green light to invade and take over Taiwan, a free and democratic country, close economic and political ally of the U.S. and West, and the source of more than 90% of the world's most advanced microprocessors, as I said, also called computer chips. 
I'd say that besides a continued major military buildup by Taiwan and other allies in the region, it'd be a good idea, should worse come to worst in Taiwan, that they have plans to destroy the plans and destruction capabilities for these, I'm sorry, production capabilities for these advanced computer chips and to evacuate their designers and producers to the West. Steve Bannon has estimated that if China were to take over Taiwan, the United States gross domestic product could fall by as much as 30%. This would surely plunge us into an economic depression, among other disastrous consequences, not to mention what a horrific tragedy this would mean for the people of Taiwan, who have never been ruled for a single day by the Communist Chinese Party. Besides these endeavors recommended on behalf of Ukraine, what's also needed, I believe, is massive and sustained military buildups in Europe and the Indo-Pacific region. Japan and Germany have already begun actions and considerations toward this end. Germany plans to increase annual defense spending by more than 2%, I believe, or more than it will be more than 2% of their budgets. And Japan is looking at a military buildup, including nuclear capabilities, which they really badly need at this point, to what they call decapitate Chinese communist military strong points and centers in the event of a war. How many lessons of history must be recalled before we realize that appeasing tyranny leads to the appeaser's destruction? I know there have been long-standing fears about Japan and Germany rearming, given their military dominance and the devastation those countries caused during World War II. But that war ended more than three-quarters of a century ago. And Western nations need these powerful allies to step up and prepare for current geopolitical realities. Here's some audio from journalist David Zhang's China Insider broadcast series on NTT television. It's his March 2nd episode dealing with China's support of Russia in the Ukraine war. Please play sound by two. China is financing Russia amid sanctions. This is pre-planned, as the Russian embassy to China reveals. Growing calls to sanction China, too, is pushing the Chinese government to rethink their position. Still, it seems they are supporting Russia all the way economically, with increasing imports of oil and goods. What do we do about the accomplice that is Beijing? Welcome to China Insider. I'm David Zhang. Happy Wednesday. When asked by TV Tokyo, China says trade with Russia will be normal and continued as always, the latest from their foreign ministry. China is backing Russia economically for this invasion, and Ukraine pleaded with China this week to stop Russia. China says they will think about it. They refuse to call it a war, but a conflict. Even as the second largest city in Ukraine is being sieged, China refuses to call it an invasion. We're seeing the Chinese Communist Party playing a two-front game. They're financially supporting Russia and politically staying way back at declaring Russia as the aggressor. And not only that, when the Biden administration told Beijing that Russia would invade, the CCP simply told Putin everything. In six meetings with Chinese officials, the Biden team told China that Putin will invade based on intel. Then Beijing turned around and told Russia everything the U.S. told them. And if you are the accomplice in this war crime, why would China suddenly give up its interest in Russia's allegiance? That is, China's ultimate goal, like we have mentioned, is to defeat the United States, and it requires Russia as a key ally. China's top regulator today makes it clear that they will not join sanctions on Russia. And politically, at the most, China abstained from voting at the UN. At the worst, China is backing Russia financially. So why is that? Well, because together, they wish to create this new world order, one that topples the Western order. 
So China decided that it's time to back Russia financially, financing its invasion. Even as Western sanctions piled on, China is not giving up. Like building a massive natural gas pipeline to China from Russia, or Chinese purchases of oil from Russia, its December buys from Russia even surpassed its purchases from Saudi Arabia. And six days before the military campaign began, Russia announced a years-long deal to sell 100 million tons of coal to China. That contract is worth more than 20 billion dollars. And just hours before Russia began bombing Ukraine, China agreed to buy Russian wheat. Despite concerns about plant diseases, all these indicate that China's role is more than just a neutral facilitator to stop Russia, as some have pointed out. China is, in fact, very likely behind the economic support of Russia this whole time. The February 4th meeting between Xi Jinping of China and Putin solidified a list of agreements. Specifically, it was aimed to prepare Russia against Western sanctions. Putin knew that if he invaded. The world will pile on its economic pressure, and so he needed to find a guarantee from China. That is, the Chinese government will support Russia financially. At the same time, China's mixed messaging is confusing the democratic nations around the world, because when asked about Ukraine's situation, China's response is often rather muted or ambiguous. And there is much to gain financially from the Chinese Communist Party for Russia too. Some on Chinese media is already calling this Russia-Ukraine situation, the war that's going on, a golden opportunity for China, one that China can benefit from in the long run. Why? Because there isn't a tangible cost to this war at the moment from China. It's time the West began not only to impose sanctions on China for helping Russia in the rape and destruction of Ukraine. But also to commence economic decoupling with this totalitarian communist state that is not our friend and has openly stated its intent is to conquer us. I'm talking about the Chinese Communist Party, not the Chinese people. I don't want to see them injured with sanctions and boycotts, but they already live under the tyranny of totalitarianism, and we in the West should not want to do so as well. It's also time the American people wake up to the treachery of our business and political elites who have been selling out our country to the Chinese Communist Party in return for lucrative business deals and bribes of one form or another. You may have heard about Government Accountability Institute President Peter Schweitzer and his new book *Red-Handed: How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win*. The book details how Joe Biden and his family have been paid at least 31 million from entities associated with the CCP's intelligence services, confirming what was earlier reported by Rudy Giuliani. Schweitzer has also reported that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, now a virtual prostitute for the CCP, has, with her husband, nearly 200 million worth of business deals and other investments in China. Here's some audio from Simone Gao's program, Zooming in China, on YouTube, February 25. Featuring an interview with Peter Schweitzer, with further details on the corruption of America's elites and their capture by the CCP. Play soundbite three, please. Welcome to Zoom in China. I'm Simon Gao. Peter Schweitzer is the co-founder and president of the Government Accountability. He's also the author of, among other books, Clinton Cash, Extortion, Throw Them All Out, and Architects of Ruin. His new book, Red-Handed, reveals the elite capture of our country by the Chinese Communist regime. The White House 
Capitol Hill, Silicon Valley, Wall Street, and diplomats are all targets, and the CCP has made major inroads in all these critical places. What exactly have they done? How did they do it? And what has to be done to counter it? I had these discussions and more with Mr. Schweitzer. Thank you, Peter, for joining Zoomi in China today. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Okay,、uh, so before we talk about your very popular new book, Red-Handed, I would like to get your opinion on Ukraine,、uh, if that's okay. Sure. So Biden said he didn't know Putin's real intention. So I mean, do you think Xi Jinping knew Putin's plan regarding Ukraine when he met Putin at the opening ceremony of the Beijing Olympics?、Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's highly likely. I mean, obviously, Russia and China have had this historical animosity going back to the break within the communist world,、uh, and they are going to be rivals at some level. But I think we're seeing a new level of cooperation between them on energy matters, conference, uh, 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 commerce, and I think also on geostrategic issues. So it would not surprise me if、uh, Vladimir Putin had,、uh, in a sense, told、uh, President Xi what his plans were, or at least what his goals were. In the area,、uh, I don't think that's surprising, and I think we can expect these two powers to work in concert at some level to advance each other's interest at the expense of the West and the United States. Hmm. Okay. In that case, I mean, how strong do you think a Russia-China alliance would be? How and how long does it would it last? Uh, I think it be, could be very potent、uh, for a couple of reasons.、Uh, one of、uh, Beijing's chief weaknesses is the fact that they need to import so much of their energy because they don't have much domestic production.、Uh, Russia could fill that gap.、Uh, Russia is resource rich in lots of ways, so that's one area that they could cooperate.、Uh, Russia would also benefit in this arrangement because, of course, China is a massive manufacturer. Russia needs access to manufactured goods. Uh, if there's a boycott、uh, by the Western powers of Russia because of its ac- actions in Ukraine, it'd be very easy for China to fill that gap.、Um, so yeah, I think it could be a very potent. Uh, a cooperative relationship. There's still going to be some suspicions,、uh, but you've got two leaders that are very ambitious, have、uh, very specific, laid-out plans and what they want to do, and I think they're prepared to help the other one achieve them. Hmm. Interesting. In that case, do you think the Russia-China alliance would set a new world order in which America's power and influence will be reduced? I think that's certainly the goal.、Uh, that has been Beijing's goal.、Uh, I think really since President Xi came to power, he's announced it, he's expressed it, he's been open about it.、Uh, Vladimir Putin, of course, his power is really on the decline. Russia is not the power it was even fifteen, twenty years ago. It continues because of demographic reasons and its economy to be struggling. But I think they're happy to be. Uh, on what they would perceive to be the winning side、uh, and the side that is trying to rework the world order,、uh, so I think they could be successful as long as the United States and the West continue to demonstrate poor leadership in the face of、uh, Beijing's challenge. Right. And talking about poor leadership, let's talk about your new book, Red Handed.、Um, tell me,、uh, what is it about, and why did you decide to write this book? Well, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has a, a very,、uh, I would say, brilliant strategy to deal with the United States and other countries, and that strategy is called elite capture,、uh, and it's pretty simple. 
instead of going head to head with the United States, with, it, with its dynamic economy, with its world class military, with its cultural reach around the world, what Beijing has decided is they're going to effectively lobotomize America's leadership by buying off the political class, people on Wall Street, people in Silicon Valley, so that they will kind of mute the response that the United States has to Beijing's aggressions. Uh, and in some cases, these people that are subject to elite capture will actually be helping, aiding and abetting Beijing in its competition with the United States. So that's the strategy. It's working very, very well. And unless we take some serious action, uh, it's only going to get worse and we will lose this competition with Beijing. Mm. When you talk about buy off U.S. elites, what are you talking about exactly? Just using, you know, money to buy them off? Yeah, it's it's really providing commercial opportunities uh, for political families in the United States, whether it's the Bidens, the Bush family, or the Trudeau family of Canada, and there are many others. They provide lucrative sweetheart deals. Uh, Hunter Biden, of course, it's well known that he secured a number of deals in China, as I point out in the book. He's received some $31 million in deals that he clearly was not qualified for. Those were arranged by four businessmen, all of which have ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. And the goal here is to capture the family, uh, in a sense, make them beholden, gain leverage over that political family. Uh, and they've been quite successful at doing it. Um, for some people, it's the lure simply of the money. Uh, for other people, they uh, Beijing appeals to their sense of importance, their sense of being able to reshape the world. So for somebody like Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, who already has a lot of money, money in itself is not an appeal. But if he's told that he can help rework uh, the health system of the planet by working with Beijing, that's an appeal to uh, his ego and one that works very, very effectively and is another example of how elite capture would work. With so many of these American elites so badly compromised and working for China, not the best interests of the USA, the U.S. should be passing laws requiring that lawmakers and government officials with these investments and bribes from China either divest themselves of such money or resign from their positions in government. Now let's listen to audio from the China Revealed channel on YouTube about the appalling corruption of the fabulously wealthy Chinese Communist Party elites who reportedly have moved the equivalent of $1 to $4 trillion plundered from the Chinese people during the great economic miracle there, so worshipped and touted by our business and government elites who have helped finance it all and joined in the profiteering and plunder of China. You'll hear comments about these CCP elites' view of New Zealand as a safe haven from what possible from a possible world hedicom, in other words, a worldwide die-off from a nuclear war or perhaps a severely deadly new worldwide pandemic unleashed on unleashed on the world by the CCP, which has made biological warfare the centerpiece of its military strategy. We know these people don't care about human life, be it within their own country or the rest of the world. Play soundbite four, please. Amidst the complexities of running a country of more than 1.4 billion people, China often uncovers scandalous cases of corruption among top-level officials in all fields, which in many cases involve the transfer of their vast fortunes overseas. CCP Corruption 
why the Chinese elite is taking their wealth overseas. As crimes involving the use of public money are widespread, they have become one of the greatest threats to the stability of the Chinese communist regime. While the fortunes of thousands of officials and their families are growing, as are those of the so-called princes, who to secure their possessions tend to send them to other countries. At the same time, inequality indicators show that the vast majority of the population has no access to basic social services such as health. Also, education services are so scarce and deficient that most of them are financed by local governments, with a contribution of only one percent from the central government based in the capital, Beijing. New Zealand as a paradise. New Zealand has positioned itself as a kind of paradise where the world's big tycoons have been acquiring huge tracts of land. Likewise, for top CCP officials, it is also an attractive place as a haven for their relatives and their investments. In this regard, Chinese billionaire Miles Guo, a resident of New York, USA, recounted in 2020 that one of the leaders who immigrated to New Zealand was Fang Fenghui, a former general chief of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Chinese People's Liberation Army, jailed for life for corruption. The offenses against him included giving and receiving bribes and obtaining huge sums of money from unknown origin. Fenghui allegedly transferred to this country to hide his illegitimate children. Like him, there are more than a thousand. The corrupted members of the CCP have long chosen New Zealand as their treasure island to hide wealth they have stolen from Chinese people, not just for themselves, but also for their mistresses and their numerous illegitimate children. Guo said, "Another CCP tycoon with investments in New Zealand would be Sun Li Jun, a former vice minister of public security who reportedly owns a dozen mansions and a couple of apartment buildings." As well as gold bullion and artwork allegedly obtained illegally, then came many of China's wealthy individuals, including Ma Mingzhi, the former chairman and CEO of Ping and Insurance, a business conglomerate dedicated to the insurances and financial services sector. Wang Jian, the former CEO of the airline operator group HNA. Chen Feng, the chairman of the same group, and the billionaire Jack Ma, founder of the online shopping company Alibaba. Jack Ma expressed in 2016 to the New Zealand Prime Minister John Key that he wanted to acquire goods in New Zealand, a country that is loved by many Chinese, as he put it. At least 20 of my colleagues retired from Alibaba. They're all very young, in their 40s. They all go to New Zealand. Among the advantages of New Zealand, when compared to the UK, it has only five million inhabitants, while the UK is inhabited by 67 million people in roughly the same area. Likewise, the great distance that separates this country from the great world cities that could collapse in an eventual world hecatomb would represent a protection for the security and luxuries that it offers. For example, it is 18,762 kilometers from the United Kingdom and 12,542 kilometers from the United States, while its nearest neighbor, Fiji, is almost 2,600 kilometers away. It is common for this country to offer luxurious homes. That include tennis courts, swimming pools, media rooms, personal jetties where a family can moor their boat, and even private heliports or, better yet, their own airstrip, making them desirable to the elite. In this regard, New Economic Thinking Institute President Robert Johnson told participants at the 2015 Davos Economic Forum, "Hedge fund managers from around the world are buying up properties with airstrips and farms in places like New Zealand." For his part, author Jim Dobson. Published in Forbes, a map pointing to New Zealand as the only nation in the world that would clearly grow in population, making it one of the safest areas on Earth. Offshore tax havens. 
In 2014, a report by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, ICIJ, expanded on the wealth of some of China's most powerful individuals, including so-called princes, those linked by blood or marriage to China's revolutionary leaders. Family members of China's top leaders were among nearly 22,000 clients with overseas investments and addresses in China and Hong Kong. The ICIJ included members of the business elite who reportedly received help from Western banks to hide their wealth in tax havens. These include the real estate company of the brother-in-law of China's current president, Xi Jinping, and the son and son-in-law of former premier Wen Jiabao. In particular, the ICIJ report cites international accounting firms such as KPMG, Ernst & Young, PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, Deloitte & Touche, and Arthur Anderson, among the promoters of China's wealth flight abroad. It specifies that PwC helped set up more than 400 offshore accounts through Trustnet for several clients in mainland China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Likewise, Swiss banking giant UBS helped coordinate more than 1,000 offshore entities with the help of Trustnet. By some estimates, between US $1 and US $4 trillion in untraced assets have left the country since 2000, notes ICIJ. Chinese officials have the law in their favor, since they are not obliged to publicly declare all their belongings, and having offshore accounts and possessing wealth does not necessarily imply going against the law. However, such quantities of money are easy to associate with corruption, particularly abuse of power and tax evasion, wrote author Michelle Flor Cruz in 2014. In this regard, as the country has moved from an insular communist system to a socialist-slash-capitalist hybrid, China has become a leading market for offshore havens that peddle secrecy, tax shelters, and streamlined international deal-making, VOA quoted her as saying. The ICIJ updated in 2017 that wealth was growing in Hong Kong-based tax havens, estimating that assets in this major financial city increased six-fold between 2007 and 2015, with the country then ranking second only to Switzerland as a tax haven headquarters. Currently, Chinese residents buy overseas real estate mostly through underground banks, which is a crime of illegal foreign exchange trading or covert foreign exchange trading. State Corruption As for corruption involving high-ranking officials, officers holding high military ranks can be taken as a reference. Since 2013, more than 160 military generals of the Chinese regime have been investigated, according to Dr. Wang Youchun, former supervisor of the Central Discipline Commission of the Chinese Communist Party, CCP. This figure exceeds the total number of generals who died in CCP's civil wars, external wars, and cultural revolutions in the past century. Widespread corruption in the military includes former chairman of the CCP Central Military Commission, former general secretary of the Communist Party of China, and former president of the People's Republic of China, Jiang Zemin, who is said to have adopted the strategy of ruling the army through corruption to buy the hearts of the people. The specter of abuses with taxpayers' money has hung over the stability of the ruling communist regime to the extent that the current president, Xi Jinping, went so far as to declare that corruption threatens the survival of the sole ruling party. In 2014, a year after his inauguration, shocked by the suspicion of officials squandering those contributions or using their positions for personal gain, as reported by Reuters. After authorities identified and investigated more than 3,200 so-called naked officials in China, at county level or above, with children or spouses who have immigrated abroad, Xinhua Media reported that they use their families as a conduit transferring their ill-gotten assets abroad and in preparation for their own flight. It added, personnel departments nationwide have held talks with naked officials, 
and asked them to choose between accepting less sensitive posts or bringing their families back to China. However, at least 1,000 of them rejected both alternatives and chose to refuse to return home, which meant demotion from their positions. On the other hand, some of the guidelines that underlie the state policy of the CCP are linked to the theories promoted by the Russian leader Vladimir Ilyich Yulinov, alias Lenin, leader of the Russian Revolution of 1917, from which they take the denomination of Neo-Leninists. For his part, the professor of government at Claremont McKenna College in California, United States, Min Xin Pei, considered in 2009 the neo-Leninist state practices elitism, draws its support from technocrats, the military, and the police, and co-ops new social elites, professionals and private entrepreneurs, and foreign capital, all vilified under Maoism. He added, indeed, if current trends continue, China's political system is more likely to experience decay than democracy, referring to the possibility of the Chinese regime transforming into a democratic system of government. The illicit enrichment of CCP elites has been manifest for decades, and according to available data, impunity is also on the rise. As Foreign Policy records in its 2009 article, in which it looked at the trajectory of this phenomenon over a 14-year period, Dishonest officials today face little risk of serious punishment. On average, 140,000 party officials and members were caught in corruption scandals each year in the 1990s, and 5.6% of these were criminally prosecuted. In 2004, 170,850 party officials and members were implicated, but only 4,915, or 2.9%, were subject to criminal prosecution. The culture of official impunity is thriving in China. Additionally, the same media outlet argues that corruption is widespread at all levels of the administration run by the CCP, and notes, regional data suggests that large-scale corruption rings account for 30 to 60 percent of all the cases of graft uncovered by authorities. It also involves administrative divisions of provincial, county, and prefecture governments, involving groups of high-ranking local officials, including party bosses and mayors, who have committed crimes for hire on behalf of organized gangs involved in murder, extortion, gambling, and prostitution. Neo-Leninists consorting with technocrats, huh? Sound familiar? You heard talk in that audio of the seemingly conflicting views of Leninism and Maoism in the CCP, Chinese People's Congress, the 20th five-year session of which is scheduled to be held later this year, uh, was formally held amid a backdrop of giant curtains adorned with giant communist ha- with a giant communist hammer and sickle emblem, and giant portraits of the architect of mass murder, slavery, and terror, Karl Marx, along with the perpetrators of mass murder, slavery, and terror, Vladimir Lenin and Mao Zedong. During Mao's time, there was also a giant portrait of another perpetrator of mass murder, slavery, and terror, Joseph Stalin. No doubt for public relations purposes, as part of its scheme to fool the West, these giant portraits have been removed along with the former hammer, along with the giant hammer and sickle emblem. Nowadays, these People's Congress meetings are held with only the giant curtains and a less threatening emblem emblem symbolizing the Chinese government. The only elections in China are held by these people who are currently engaged in deadly internal rivalries to determine who will be installed as the communist dictator for the next five years. We will find out soon if there's enough time, and as I've said before, national will, 
to do what's necessary to appropriately defend our Western values and cherished freedoms before it's too late and we're plunged into mass destruction and slavery for survivors in some kind of new dark ages under totalitarianism. A totalitarianism, a totalitarianism, I'm sorry, which our Western elites seem all too eager to bring about, thinking that they, of course, will not be affected by it. That's it for another show. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted shortly on the Jim Benson Show page at bbsradio.com. Look for us again two weeks from today in this same time slot. Have a good rest of your day and evening.